Welcome, everybody, to the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am David Van Bepper. And here we are back again on the Zoom uh, recording anyway. And so this again, uh, if you are new um, to listening to the podcast or getting on YouTube, because we know um, that we have uh, gotten some new folks that we have met and shipped them over to YouTube and our podcast. And we know that uh, there's always new people coming on here. Yeah, we are in two different states. I'm in uh, Springfield, Missouri. He's in Lynn Valley, Kansas. And we are not going to let distance uh, kill this podcast anyway. That's right. We made a decision not to let it kill the podcast and that was a good decision and i'm grateful that we can use zoom to continue to do the podcast it's been fun it's great it's a different challenge than being in springfield but i'm glad still to do it it is great actually there are blessings both ways one day we will have a program again where we will sit down beside each other won't be all that uh common probably but there you go yeah those would be those special shows anyway but yeah just uh, get some uh, housekeeping um if you were listening to the last uh, show um we're going to hit the same two things but we want to make sure that people uh get this information and so um again we have something awesome coming up on may 26th it is uh, the ascension day crown rights rally um that is at historic city hall here in springfield missouri 830 north boonville avenue springfield missouri and uh we will be meeting on the uh chestnut expressway side um so i do want to go if anybody uh gets this and they you know want to come out with the trump flags and all that kind of stuff because that's happens too We're, we want to promote christ and christ alone on ascension day so please let's do that um that's what this town needs this town doesn't need another leader's name other than Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. But yes, Ascension Day has kind of a, been kind of a, you know, you go to a high liturgical church and you might uh, see it there, um, you know, but it's not a big deal. And we need to make it a big deal because the Ascension um, means much for the church and it means much for the world. And so we need to come and talk about the Ascension foretold, fulfilled uh, forever. And um, again, I'm at this, uh, at, as far as this recording goes, anyway, I'm still uh, developing a liturgy and uh, finalizing some people i guess i can say since he's already come out anyway i got josh jenkins um to talk about one of the points and so he'll be there and uh definitely hope baptist uh we'll get some redeemer folks out there um but please this is open to anyone and everyone who proclaims the name of jesus christ um who wants to see jesus rule and reign in all areas of life over everything and that's what we are declaring on ascension day at the crown rights rally and hopefully this again leads to something more in the future at least a yearly ascension day rally um but um more um coming together um civically and proclaiming the name of jesus christ over all things so yeah we got that coming up and i know dave wanted to show off our book uh once again uh just to let you guys know what we got well i am looking forward to telling you a little bit more about this awesome book that brandon dodd wrote against abortion a pastor's plea it is on amazon and you can order it there for five dollars which is a great cost you could also get it you can also get a digital version of it on kindle i believe so it is a great piece it is a great primer for understanding the arguments against 
the pro-life movement and incrementalism. And Brandon does a wonderful job in this. He's a great writer. The chapters are fairly concise, but all very robust in his application of scripture to the different positions. And of course, the way he actually provides some rebuttals to many of the arguments offered by the pro-life movement. So with that said, make sure you order a copy of Against Abortion, a Pastor's Plea, the second Yes, the second book that has been produced by the Taggart Podcast and our publishing wing, Baptist and Reformed. So there is my little piece for Brandon and his book. I was so glad to get to do some editing and some layout for it. So if there are editing or layout problems, you know the guy who messed them up, and it's it's this guy right here. And I've got something in there on that as well. So, you know, if there's something on the cover, whatever, on the back cover, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And uh let us know though, because like uh, we'll we'll update um anything like that. So it's like if you see a problem somewhere electronically, um tell us about it. So then you know we can get something fixed. And then if you order a physical copy, it'll be uh better because of you. So right. that'd be that'd be awesome. But anyway, yes, uh talking about abortion, um, abolition, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like again, we do not want to beat a drum, and but that's gonna be a theme on Taggart. So if you don't like to hear about abolition of abortion and stuff like that, then um sorry. Actually, we're not sorry at all um to talk about it, but it's something that uh, Dave and I had gotten into. Um, yes, he's in Kansas, so now I become like the MBAA face, but Dave is still as much in it because this is not just a Missouri thing, it's not just a Kansas thing, Oklahoma, whatever. This is a whole country thing. And, um, you know, abolitionists are working together um, from all over the place, but we are utilizing the systems that we do have. Um, We do need government. Government's a good thing. It's uh, ordained by God. And so we need to respect that. We need to honor it. Um, And we've been given a beautiful thing in this country to actually have states that are independent, especially Missouri, since it's written as an independent sovereign state. Um, So we can ignore Roe and do what we do. And so since we're talking about um, those kind of things, um, you know, we wanted to uh, bring you into what's kind of like, uh, I guess, in the uh, digital world of abolitionism and uh, share with you something that uh, kind of went around. um, I get something that was on TikTok. It was shared, and I think in a few different abolitionist uh, groups or whatever, just to be like, you know, hey, anybody want to kind of go for these guys? But, you know, Dave and I, not really TikTok folks, and this was a TikTok thing, um, but we wanted to respond to it anyway, because, uh, you know, maybe you saw it, maybe you're on TikTok and you saw it, and uh, there it's, you know, this sort of a within the profession of Jesus Christ type thing to definitely uh, talk about. Um, but yeah, we need to talk about uh, language use, uh, talking about the term Holocaust. And uh, we've got a video of two young girls sharing the fact that Christians should not use the term Holocaust when it comes to abortion. So we've got that. Um, then uh, uh, sticking with us long enough, we're going to talk about that. But we also, I guess, in the theme of uh, chasing down uh, false teaching and everything, as we do, we do want to bring up Philip Wright again. You know, it's uh, it seems like it's a really good time um, to uh, bring up philip right whenever there's like special things going on especially after um um, just Holy Week and all that kind of stuff. And there was something I stumbled upon that we can definitely talk about because we've talked about the issues before, but now we can bring them to light because he's not going to talk about them with us. Um, so at least we yeah, can find Yeah, for a guy some, who is as loving and yeah. engaging as he pretends to be, pretends to be, he definitely yeah. does not want to deal with any of his critics. He doesn't want to deal with anyone who's going to call him to orthodox or sound robust theological positions. So yeah. he can sit on his little stool and say his things to his followers 
But when someone actually calls him out on his inconsistencies, he doesn't want to own them. He wants to run from them. He's a coward. And that is clear. He is very much outside of orthodoxy with the things that he says. I wish so much that we would have had the ability to record that conversation that we had with him and his son after we did talk to him once. And by the way, when we engaged in that one time, it was a very kind, courteous, uh, jovial, even conversation. I didn't think that it was anything negative. I wonder very much why he doesn't actually deal with some people who actually have some real questions for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you just got to be in a coffee shop with no witnesses. That's how you get to deal with them. That's how that's how he engages. Totally fine situation, but not to always do, especially when you say something publicly, you're called out publicly and it'd make a really awesome time of reconciliation, uh, you know, coming together and talking and sharpening one another. And, uh, you know, you could put us to shame if, you know, and I, I know you don't like to shame people yet you do. Um, but, uh, you know, you can go ahead and put us to shame or we can just uh you know if if you're so much better than us and you know more than us and all that kind of stuff um but whatever uh but anyway um you know we'll talk about uh just a little we got two kind of quick videos to kind of hit um but they're very important we hope that they help you we hope that the conversation's edifying we hope really again we have been given the message of reconciliation so hopefully things get reconciled uh through these things about uh you know just abortion and the language used and why we use those sort of things and um why it's actually god honoring in that sense um to tell the truth about things and to definitely paint true pictures about things and then also coming against uh you know somebody that's out there just trying to deconstruct people away from god's word um onto their feelings and so with that being said um let's go to the tiktok video i don't know if you have anything that you'd want to say as introduction to that, Dave? Yeah. So one of the things that I think that is important when we engage a video like this, there's two reasons for doing that. Number one, we want to demonstrate that there are rebuttals to these arguments. Likewise, this format, this medium of TikTok is something that Uh, My children have, most people's children have this. And so they're watching these videos and they're being influenced by them. You might want to even go to your children and ask them, hey, have you seen this video? And then begin to use the methodology that we're imploring to discuss this. Uh, I think that that's a really important thing. Likewise, it should be concerning that here are these young ladies, they're going to state that they're Christians. They live in some type of belief system that they are Christians. Therefore, they're saying that there's a church that they're responsible to. That means that there is a group of pastors that have failed uh, incredibly, incredibly profoundly. Or here's the other thing, maybe these young ladies really do have some questions here and we're providing an opportunity to answer them. And we'd be more than happy to uh, have you share this with them if you have a format to get it to them. Yes. So let me get in here. So this is TikTok. I do not have the app. So I'm going to play it from a browser. Um, We'll play the whole thing. It's really quick and then we will deal with it. But we just want to make sure that this gets out because I mean, I've heard this argument before, but uh, this is kind of, I think, making some viral rounds. So that would make this an important thing. So let me uh, click on this and I'll play. Hi, guys. We are Christians and we want to ask other Christians to please stop comparing the Holocaust to abortion. And this is coming from the LeBrant family's anti-abortion video that just came out. The Holocaust and abortion are nowhere near the same thing. If you, like, honestly, if you think that, like, killing a child before it's born and 
killing people in gas chambers for four years are the same thing. You've lost it. Honestly. Yeah. And, and in addition to that, of course, there are more abortions than the Holocaust. You're talking about decades of abortions versus four years of the Holocaust. And it's honestly, it's very rude and disrespectful to the people that either survived it, that are still living or their descendants. Right. So if you could please stop. Yeah. We would greatly appreciate that because it really does not make us look good or edify Christ at all. No. No. So thanks. Um, Hi guys. We does are- it not make us look good and is not Christ honoring? Okay, so, you, can ass- <laughs> assert you can assert it, but yeah. Let's it's work not- back through yeah. their statements. Yeah. Uh, essentially, we've got about seven uh, assertions that are made in this discussion, right? We are Christians and we are asking other Christians. <coughs> excuse me. You're excused. <clears throat> we are Christians and we are asking other Christians not to compare abortion to the Holocaust. Okay, first of all, if you are Christians, you are responsible for accepting God's word, Toda Scriptura. God says that human beings are made in his image. It is we the, are Christians and we want to ask oops, us, sorry about that. It is the very same framework. We are contending for those who are made in the image of God, and we are comparing the mass slaughter of individuals and individual groups, what would you say? How would you notice that there are no arguments as to what you do about it, except stop saying this, stop making a comparison. Why? Why? Yeah. You downplayed, and you're going to later say, well, there, of course, there was more killed. Then that, then the Holocaust doesn't even actually captivate the atrocity and the major atrocity numerically to this idea. That is the reality. So the question these young ladies need to ask one another and actually ask themselves, is: do they believe that human beings are made in the image of God, that life begins at conception, Psalm 139? Does that actually resonate with you? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, it's this is really bad. Okay, so you're asking us to stop. Actually, I'm going to re, after evaluating the whole thing, I'm going to say you're telling us to stop. You're not yes. asking. You're telling, okay? That's how that works. If you're telling, you're trying to say, stop, don't use it because, okay, so there's more deaths from abortion because it was over decades. It just wasn't a 1941 to 1945 thing, but over decades, sure, there's a lot more deaths. Okay, so you're going to say that abortion is worse than the Holocaust, as Dave said, Um, but it's rude to Jews to use the term Holocaust. So now you have to provide... Do they have, do the Jews have a copyright on the term Holocaust? And I'm going to say, actually they do, but it's not the way you think. Um, there, there's something there, but uh, you know, that's called intersectionality just because a word is rude. Doesn't mean like if the word is useful, you should be able to use it. Um, you know, we like this kind of free speech kind of thing, and then you're clamping down on it. So you haven't made it like you just said, it's rude to Jews, but is it something that is not God honoring? And then you've got to provide why that's not God honoring. And so, you know, we got to look at the word Holocaust. Okay. But so, you know, do these, cause if, uh, you, we didn't put the video up, but if you look at it, if you find it on TikTok, it's two very young girls talking to people. So there are two very young girl Christians um, doing this. So um, do they provide any historical things other than, well, you know, you have the Holocaust of the Jews, do they provide anything else? And so like, we can't really, I mean, this is low hanging fruit in a way, 
But then again, this, these are type of arguments that are held by other, like even pro-choice people would make this argument. Stop using that, that word. It's so, you know, it's, you, you know, and then they use that guilt trip that, you know, Jews, but, you know, again, let's look at the word Holocaust. And so I don't know if Dave has anything before I kind of go in on well, it. But. So one thing that I would say, if you are a Christian and you're imploring other Christians to do something, because that's what's happening, you're not asking. I think that was an excellent, very apt uh, assessment there. There is no request here. It is, you need to stop doing this. Okay, according to what biblical standard do we need to stop using terminology like this? What is the words or the verbiage that you should use in order to describe the slaughter of millions of preborn people? By chemicals, by dismemberment, that is a key piece. What is it? you seem like you're more concerned with the terminology than you are with the reality of the preborn being murdered. So mm -hmm. if you're going to implore other Christians to stop doing something, upon what biblical basis are you doing that? What scripture are you citing? What Christian arguments are you making? It hurts people's feelings. Guess what? That has never been any reason for a Christian to not proclaim the truth. When Paul, excuse me, when Peter stands up in Acts chapter two and says that the people standing in front of him murdered the Messiah, that was not very polite and didn't make people feel very good, but it was true. Mm -hmm. The slaughter mm -hmm. of millions of people is an egregious sin against humanity and against God. Making someone's feeling feel bad is not an egregious sin against humanity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so whenever we, uh, I mean, the thing is, is we have no excuse. So you can get information on your phone, you know, and you can go to Google real quick. And then there's some really good stuff out there that immediately pops up. So let's uh, just look up the, the term Holocaust. And so just type in the Google. Holocaust definition and you, and you get dictionary definitions from Oxford languages and says Holocaust, it's a noun. And uh, so first one that comes up says destruction or slaughter on a mass scale. So does abortion fit the bill just by that first part of the definition is abortion, destruction or slaughter on a mass scale. How many babies are murdered every year? Mass, pretty mass scale, right? Okay especially caused by fire or nuclear war. And so there's a nuclear Holocaust. So um, I know that uh, in, in the, in the modern concept and what's out there about books and stuff like that show, should we not write books that talk about like a future nuclear Holocaust? Or does that word have meaning to paint the picture in your head of what, if you know what Holocaust, the term definition, what the definition of the term is, then whenever somebody says that word, you know, you get that picture in your head, you get the truth about something in your head. And so, like, yes, it is a slaughter on a mass scale of babies likewise, for decades. Likewise, many have referred to the genocide in Rwanda as a Holocaust in Rwanda. So mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you're correcting not just Christians, also Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just something that you're asking Christians. And by the way, it's not just Christians that actually call it a Holocaust. There are non-Christians, pro-life folks who call it a Holocaust too. This isn't even something that is yeah. specifically. And and they're talking and that, that's what they're saying, you know, from Christian to Christian, you know, we, we've seen some pro-life stuff or whatever. You're calling it a Holocaust. We're telling you to stop doing that. But you know, the thing is, is like, if it conveys the truth of the matter, we have to do that. Jesus is the truth. Um, we have to be people of the truth. And if that is a word that is truthful, 
then we have to use it. We can utilize it. We're free to utilize it. And I don't think God is very uh, mad that we uh, use the term Holocaust whenever it means destruction or slaughter on a mass scale. Okay. Now we do have, okay. Whenever we're talking about, if you have a narrow view of history and you're young, you know, these ladies are young. And so, you know, just like we talked about eschatology and having an, a, a narrow view of eschatology because we're thinking of America. And if America's having a bad time, well, the world's going to pots, right? Even though there could be rays of hope in other places, if America's going pots, then the end times are coming, right? So let's, you know, in this situation, okay, we got a narrow view. And so, you know, you're raised, you uh, go to your civics class, you go to your world history, and you talk about the Holocaust. Well, it is true that from 1941 to 1945, there were 6 million European Jews that were persecuted and murdered. They were put in gas chambers. They were um, put into fires to in mass graves and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, that, that was a, the Jewish Holocaust from World War II. As Dave said, there was a more recent one um, with the Rwandans, and we're just utilizing. So we're not actually appropriating anything. It is a word that means something. And so we're calling abortion the Holocaust of our generation and literally our generation. Like it is um, from Roe versus Wade, how many babies were murdered? because of state sanctioned murder. And I want you to look up something. I want you to go to Britannica real quick. And we're going to talk about um, Holocaust European history. It says Holocaust. And here's where the Hebrews kind of might own the term Holocaust here. Okay. So Holocaust Hebrew Shoah catastrophe, Yiddish and Hebrew Herban, which means destruction is the systematic state-sponsored killing of six million Jewish men, women, children, and millions of others by Nazi Germany. I want you to focus on state-sanctioned. We're abolitionists. Talk about pro-life bills. That's state-sanctioned arbitrary baby murder versus the pro-choice, which up till the birth and maybe 28 days later, still an arbitrary line put somewhere because they, they just can't, you know, they, you know, someday they'll get up to uh, 38 years old and I'll be able to be murdered right now on this show because I somehow am dependent somehow and be, they'll be able to find some reason to, you know, be okay with offing me um, and utilizing that. But just think about that. Britannica calls the Jewish Holocaust, a systematic government issue. Well, there's another point for, for abortion because it is definitely systematically um, and, and, and state sponsored. Okay. Likewise, it is against, likewise, it is against a particular type of people, just like the Jewish Holocaust was. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Jews called it this. Yeah. And it's probably called this because if it was Jews, all right, you just think about it is uh, it comes from um, whole or burnt, uh, you know, it's a whole burnt offering. Um, so, you know, whenever we get in, this is a religious word Holocaust is. And so if it's a religious word that comes from Hebrew, it's the Christian's word. So stop, stop getting rid of your language. Well, likewise, (laughs) they say it's nowhere near as bad killing babies before they're born versus gas chambers. Um, two things on that. Number one, who are you to say that it's nowhere near as bad? You're not the one who gets to measure out suffering between people, whether gas chambers or whether chemicals inside the womb. So a chemical abortion. Equally as gruesome. Yeah. Chemical abortion, you know, fires a chemical, right? Yeah. So, 
you're chemically ripping people's atoms apart chemically burnt or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again gassed and burnt both yeah. of them result in burning and destruction yeah. which one is worse wow who are you to say that one thing is worse than another when it ends it when it ends someone's life god views all human life as made in his image therefore valuable to creation so what you're doing here is you're setting up a hierarchy you're saying that the six million jews who were murdered are actually it's worse than the 69 million babies that were murdered more than that probably yeah yeah over decades though over it's you know over decades oh yeah because it's over decades yeah. yeah yeah so you know that's that's the issue um language is God's and God is Yahweh and Jesus was sent by Yahweh who declared himself Yahweh created us, gave us language, gave us the things to have language, gave us the mind, um, dispersed us because we tried to build an altar to ourselves, confused our languages, and then gave us the Holy spirit to talk to one another (laughs) again. And, and be able to do this and bring us together through Jesus Christ. Don't let the world make you embarrassed of what is yours. Everything, if you are in Christ, is yours. And what you're doing is you're buying into intersectionality because, you know, it embarrasses the Jews. That's intersectionality. Um, so if you are conservative, you're probably not liking CRT. Again, stop falling for it. All right. And that's what, that's what goes on. And then, um, yeah, you're just, you're telling us to be embarrassed by this rude and it's, It's there are language to do that. It's rude. It's rude to call murder murder. It's rude to call atrocities atrocities. No ladies, you are ignorant of history of language and you're ignorant of God's word. All of those things should be repented of because all of those things are willing ignorance. You're telling other Christians to stop acting like Christ. The cross is an offense. We are to offend people when it comes to acting in sin. It will always be offensive to the sinner to hear that they are in sin until they realize that there is a way out of it, according to scripture, to repent and believe the gospel. Yeah. And so here's, you know, the invitation, you know, if if anybody's watching that would make this uh, sort of argument has believed that has told other people that, or if somehow the girls get a hold of this episode, um, you know, we just have to say the cool thing is we're not sitting here condemning you. Um, Yeah, we're judging, but we're judging with right judgment, not appearances, but we're not condemning you. Um, We would ask that you please listen to your words. Um, Don't ever don't ever apologize for anything that you don't have to apologize for. That's the big thing. And, uh, you know, if God, if it doesn't offend God, and so if you say, if it's not Jesus honoring or God honoring, um, please provide where in the scripture does thus say that the Lord do not use the Holocaust or where would you get the principle from? And then give that to your people, sharpen your people. Don't just tell them you're not asking, you're telling them, and you're not bringing people along with you to win them over and take them along as you follow Christ. If this is the truth, right? The so here's is the deal that- is we ask you to repent and there can be repentance. 
and it's okay. All right. So we're not going to try to throw you in the back of the bus and be like, well, you, you know, you repented and now you're just back there until, you know, you, you don't stink as much anymore. No, if you repent, you're, you're forgiven and you know, you're, you're, you're among us that make mistakes and, and sin all the time. But then hopefully God uses this situation to bring you to the truth where you realize that, you know, murdering babies with chemicals or torturing them before you finally kill them because you have to reach them with, uh, you know, with metal sharp objects to suck their brain out. Um, you know, once you realize that, you know, burning somebody in an oven and then burning somebody in a womb might be a lot more similar than what you want to portray. Um, but then again, that's the pro-life messaging that you've unfortunately soaked up for a long time. Um, but you know, I pray that uh, we pray for these girls, that they would come to the truth in this situation, that they would repent. And then that would come on strong to be able to uh, talk to women out of abortions and murdering their children. Right on, man. Right on. So, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that little quip and, and everything, but yeah, that's something that we wanted to get out. That's something uh, that's been a part of our uh, abolition groups and they've been sharing this and trying to find people that kind of have the same um, arguments and stuff. And so again, the, the more that we can answer and give the gospel to you, and then also win people over to bring them into relationship, the, you know, that's, that's how the gospel works. So now we need to turn um, to uh, Philip Wright. So um, Dave, if you want to, while I set up, if you kind of want to give a little skinny on our little bit of history about talking yeah. about Philip Wright and with him and all that kind of stuff. And then I'll tell you when I'm ready. Of course, man. I'm glad to do that. So if you are new to the podcast and you are listening or watching for the first time, Adam and I first encountered Philip Wright through a video called Gay in the Bible Belt. And we actually dealt with a panel of individuals who were at the venues church there in Springfield. And they were talking about how hard it was to be gay in the Bible Belt and how they had uh, changed their minds on the uh, declaration of homosexuality as sin. In fact, all of them made sure to tell their narrative about how bad it was and how horrible Christians had treated them by actually sharing the truth of the gospel with them, that there is sin that is defined by God and that our sin is offensive to God and we must repent from it. Rather than doing that, the venue is again very uh, theologically liberal. Um, that is a church, I don't know that it was started by Philip Wright, but he is the seems to be the head teacher there. And as the pastor there, he has presented a very wishy-washy view of scripture. Um, Adam and I had a conversation with him back in 2018. We sat down with him and his son after we dealt with the three-part series on being gay in the Bible Belt. And we began to press him on theological issues such as the inerrancy of scripture, the clarity of scripture, the sufficiency of scripture. We went through church history with him, demonstrating he had a very poor view of church history as a whole, definitely did not believe the Bible was inerrant, definitely rejected the authority of scripture, yet he continues to propagate some type of social club that they call a church. They do not believe in sin, uh, really uh, defined sin for them is what they arbitrarily want it to be, which is really hurting people's feelings yeah. or saying things that are offensive. Yeah, on their, on their yeah. website, they uh, use the, they use scarecrow quotes around the term sin on their baptism page. And the, the sin is not caring for other people. That is pretty much all that is, is you haven't cared for other people. 
that you've sinned. And so they do baptisms. I've seen, you know, dunk tanks and I've seen just sprinkling a freshly opened bottle of water just on them, you know, so it's very just lackadaisical. But then again, that's what happens whenever you don't care about scripture, yet you still have to somehow utilize scripture to not utilize scripture. And that's the conundrum that Wright finds himself in over and over again is he wants to preach from the Bible, but then he says that there's no weight and authority in it. And so it's a very odd situation. It's tip my hat to Jesus and do nice things for people according to what we think are nice things for people, not let's actually look at what scripture defines as wicked and evil, and let's call out sin and call people to repentance and to new life in Christ Jesus. It is come be a part of our social organization. And so, yeah, so we've, we've done that, the Bible Belt thing. We've done um, a couple of sermons, I think definitely last year with the Noahic Covenant. Um, did one of his sermons on that um, about like St. Patrick's Day, but he talked about the rainbow. So I saved it from St. Patrick's Day till um, June, right? Yeah, June. June. It is yes. June. Yeah, coming June up is, here again yeah. soon. So Noahic Covenant Awareness Month uh, Part 2, <laughs> second annual. Um, I guess we'll have to get that, that going again. But yes. Um, and so like, I just started noticing that, like, uh, there was one sermon that he starts kind of coming out about what the church is and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh, finally, we're going to get like some, maybe some stances on things. He's taking some stances. And then while I was watching that, I went back to go, Hey Dave, here's this. And I was looking for the link. And then I found like another little short video and I was like, and I was watching it and it's about scripture and it's clarity and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, we, we can't get him on the show to discuss these things. And now it's like, almost like he finally gives us a clear, at least position. Here's where he wants to stand on the scriptures with an example. And it's the same kind of thing. He leaves crap out, you know, I'm sorry for you utilizing the word crap, but you know, we have been in this conversation enough to where I'm starting to get way informal (laughs) (laughs) on the issue, but you know, he's uh, you know, he omits a lot of things and then tries to get you to agree that people omit things with so it's there's never any sort of systematic or tota issue um, whenever he speaks about anything because that's how he's got to trap you unless if you are very understanding of the scriptures and have read them and have hidden them in your heart and uh you know knowing jesus and he only presents half of jesus that he wants to present to you and to make you smile and that's about it um the the smiley jesus is uh what they present over there mr rogers version of jesus christ yes and so yeah i found the short video so i thought we could go through it this one i can actually start and stop so um i've got that up so let's uh dig in um, while we can. So uh, let's see here. I thought I had it up, but let's see here. Um, I did have it up and then let me get it back here and let me turn the uh, mute button off and just make sure this isn't blasting. How do we know which ones we should dismiss and which to keep? Okay. Let me actually start that back over. To the fundamental question. If we can dismiss some scripture and I think we should, how do we know which ones we should dismiss and which to keep? And this is a very good question. An answer that I've never gotten out of them. Did you hear that, Dave? Was the day sound all right for you? Oh, yeah, I could hear it okay, just fine. Sure. <laughs> if, if we should dismiss scripture, that's hypothetical, by the way. Yeah. If we should dismiss scripture, which ones should they be and why? essentially yeah and accept you know so we're gonna if we're gonna accept some scripture and if we're gonna dismiss scripture which he totally is for um how do you do that all right because so they're recognizing there has to be logic 
what is the process and what is the means and the standard by which we know which scripture to dismiss and which scripture to apply. What a beautiful opportunity to demonstrate your understanding of the covenants, uh, your understanding of the Old Testament law to teach individuals in your church about how not to get hung up on some Old Testament laws that applied to the Jews in the time that they were written. Um, but I don't think that's the way he's going to go. Yeah, just it's, it. it's really awesome because when you read the Old Testament, you find Jesus in, every, in, in all of that. And so, again, he's a fulfillment of all that. So there is a fulfillment factor of the ceremonial laws, and they're gone on that issue. Um, and so that's completely not arbitrary, but that is a covenantal issue. Um, the covenant makes it not arbitrary because that's the way God has designed things. So, um, but anyway, we're going to get into this. Why accept? Why reject? And how do you do it? And let's uh, get to Philip here. Well, this question gets to the fundamental question of how to read the Bible. Ah, now, so the fundamental question that- of how to read the Bible. So what he's going to do is he's going to teach us how to read the Bible. How do we but read the Bible? from where is that going to come from? Where is he going to say, here's how you read scripture? Now, this is interesting because it ties over a little bit to some of our conversation with Richard Howe. How do we read the Bible? That's actually one of the things. How do you know to use a historical uh, grammatical hermeneutic? Well, of course, it's in Scripture. It's what is used in the preaching of the New Testament. Since we follow Jesus, we ought to follow the way Jesus reads the Bible. So if we're going to, we're going to. So, I mean, in a way, this sounds like New Testament priority then. In a way. But New Testament priority is not going to lead to the our, our New Testament priority is not going to lead to the same conclusion here, right? So he's saying, you know, if we follow Jesus, so if we have this arbitrary starting point, we follow Jesus, we look at how Jesus explained the scriptures, hmm. and then we get it from that. Okay. Interesting. So let's see. Let's see what he says. I, about I would how, state yeah. at first, I'm not 100 percent in disagreement with him here. Jesus is God. Jesus is the God man. Jesus is described as being the word. Ah, so what did Jesus think of scripture? How did Jesus use and apply the Old Testament? What did Jesus believe about the scripture? And where are you getting this information? Mm. So how do you know what Jesus said? And why is, and so again, um, that's, that's the big deal. So let's see here. So let's look at that. Now, the Bible for Jesus is not like our Bible today. His Bible was the Hebrew scripture. Okay, so he's getting historical here. Yeah, you know, good. to Jesus, well you know, said. all you had was so, was 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 the issue of uh, it was the Old Testament. Same for Paul. You know, he uses the term grapha. And so, you know, the grapha, he said, is the inspired word of God that's capable of making the uh, man of God complete for every good work, for every good work. And some people call that the Old Testament. The longest single passage Jesus quotes from the Hebrew Scriptures is Isaiah 61. And the quote is found in Luke's writing in chapter 4 of uh, Luke's Gospel. Okay, so chapter 4 of Luke. So we're in Luke, chapter 4, and he's going to read it for us. I want you to hinge on Luke, because there's something awesome that's going to come up right here that... uh, Totally not getting told to you. So if you're at the venues, let me help you. Okay. Here's how Jesus quoted Isaiah. 
The Spirit of the Lord has been given to me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives and to the blind new sight, to set the downtrodden free and to proclaim a year of favor from the Lord. But compare Jesus' quote to the original Isaiah verse, they're totally different. They are totally different. Hmm. They're totally different. They're absolutely different. Totally, totally different. Gotcha. All right. So Jesus only quotes that much from Isaiah's. I mean, the thing, he doesn't quote the whole book of Isaiah. And then, you know, yes, Isaiah is a book where you have different sections that are clearly marked out. Thus says the Lord kind of stuff. And so this is one prophecy from Isaiah. And so Jesus says, quotes this from Isaiah, but it's completely different, completely, utterly, okay, different than uh, what Isaiah himself said. Hmm. I wonder how it's different. Jesus appears to have deliberately omitted the last part. Jesus, wait, Jesus didn't read the whole book of Isaiah, only one prophecy. And then he omits something. He's omitting something from the prophecy. Of that verse in Isaiah, which reads like this, and the day of vengeance of our God. I wonder. Huh. So he, so Jesus read Isaiah word for word up to that point. So it's not actually totally different. He just didn't mention that part. Or Luke didn't write down that Jesus said that part. Hmm. So there's, there's other alternatives, I guess, huh? Oh, no, this is no, 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 no. That's completely utterly different. And he forgot the little bit at the end about the day of vengeance. And Luke forgot to mention anything about the day of vengeance. So, in other words, yeah. the argument is that Jesus didn't believe in a reconciliation, a day of reconciliation. Jesus didn't believe in judgment coming down. Yeah. So, here, let's keep on yeah, going. On. Yeah. He omitted that because. He does not in any way believe that God is a God of vengeance. Jesus does not believe in any way, in any way that God's a God of vengeance. So listen to him. It's the Jesus mm -hmm. quote in Luke, in Luke chapter four of Isaiah omits. And so it's, it's absolutely true. No, no, this is definitely Philip Wright's interpretation of it. All right. And he has given us so much. And the thing is, Philip, if you're watching this and you're not, but I know maybe, maybe someone, maybe someone out there is from the venues and they can get this and relay this and like open their Bibles, please. Because then you're going to show like, this is evidence that you have a false teacher in front of you on Sundays, a false teacher that does not care about your soul whatsoever. Okay. Because this is an absolute lie. Philip Wright is lying and deceiving and not, not rightfully dividing the word of truth. Okay. So again, Isaiah said something completely different than Jesus whenever he read it. But remember here, whenever we actually get to it, no, Jesus said it right. He just didn't have the included couple of lines there that talked about the day of vengeance. Philip Wright saying that so, Jesus admitted it, but see, we don't know if he actually said it and Luke just didn't write that down at the time for that purpose. All right. So there's alternatives. So we need to step back. There are alternatives. 
I'm going to tell you that the Bible's on my side here. Okay. So God is not a God of vengeance. Dave, what do you got? Yeah, I've got, so I've got I it right here. Say, I'm going okay. To... Vengeance. What do you mean by that? Because Jesus makes it very clear in John's gospel, John three thirty six, that the wrath of God remains on people who do not have uh, eternal life. Likewise, very clearly, Again, John five, uh, John five twenty four tells us what truly, truly I say to you, to you, whoever hears my word and believes them, who has sent me has eternal life. But he who does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Wait a second. Again, what is this idea that they have come from death into life? That the wrath of God remains on them. What does that mean? That God is not a vengeful God. In other words, Jesus is saying. People aren't going to face judgment. Is, is that what Philip Wright truly believes is going to be the case? Jesus didn't speak of judgment or judgment to come. Jesus erased that idea that God is a wrathful God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus quotes multiple passages from the Old Testament? Specifically, one of the things he talks about, have you not read what Moses wrote to you? Well, what did Moses write? Jesus is making it clear that he believed what the Old Testament said. Nowhere. To, to say that Jesus didn't believe in God's wrath to come, to make that assertion, you would need to have a direct statement where Jesus says, you know, those things about God's wrath, those things about God's judgment, those things about eternal damnation, all of those things from the Old Testament, lies, they, aren't, they don't exist. There's no statement like that. Yeah, but unfortunately, let, let me just get one more little see what punch it see what he says next real quick and then we'll punch it so jesus consistently ignored or even denied those verses in the hebrew scripture that were punitive and exclusionary in favor of those verses that were inclusive that promoted justice and mercy and kindness oh god so god loves justice God loves justice. Do you know what justice entails? If you have to have justice, that means you have to have injustice. God has justice. And so let's uh, turn to the book of Luke post chapter four, because remember Jesus vehemently, he just, he ignored the vengeance thing in Isaiah and he just was not having this vengeance talk. Jesus, Jesus himself, if we're going to utilize his standard. All right. So this is where Jesus comes in and says, um, by the standard that you use, you will be judged. All right. So let's, let's go through that. Let's, let's, uh, let's do an internal critique here. And Jesus was just adamantly opposed to anything. Well, get to chapter 21, starting in verse 20, um, post mill alert, preterism alert. Um, and uh, Philip Wright is wrong alert. Okay. <laughs> so when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that its desolation has come near. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Those inside the city must leave it. And those who are in the country must not enter it. Sounds pretty bad. Like something bad's going to happen. Because these are the days of vengeance to fulfill the things that were written. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. 
they will be killed by the sword and be led captive into all the nations and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. You think Luke forgot about that? You think Jesus omitted it? Absolutely not. These are Jesus's words. And guess what? They're probably in red letters in your red letter edition that you apparently only like. And you did not give that to your people. You lied to them and you need to repent. I would also go to Acts chapter 9. This might seem a little odd at first. What is it that Jesus, Jesus says about Paul? Well, he tells us in Acts 19 verse 15, Paul, go, for he, or he says this to Ananias, Go for he, that is Paul, is chosen, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Okay, so Jesus appears to Ananias and says that Paul has been a chosen instrument. Well, what did Paul say about things? Oh, Romans chapter 2, verse 5 through 6, because of your hard and impentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. Oh, wait a second. Who is it that Jesus endorsed as a voice to Jews and Gentiles? Paul. And what was it that was inspired by Paul to state that God's wrath was coming to those who had yeah. impenitent hearts? And then we got to go back, okay, for his standard, Jesus said, I've given my word to them. And so at the time, yes, it was not, Paul was not around them, but he, he did give the words to people that people were to believe. So we were to believe their word. And so we know that Paul met Jesus. Um, though I know somehow you're going to go, well, that's not real scripture. So how, again, do you go forward from Jesus? Or do you stop at Jesus? But then I've heard you quote Paul before. And then you told me that you only utilize the scriptures because I view them as authoritative, though you don't, but you're just trying to get to me. Again, there's a lot of people that you're not telling things and you keep things so particular between people that people don't even know a full story about you. You are a liar. You are a deceiver. You are in need of Jesus and the gospel and repentance. Yeah. This the is venues again, of the venues is an apostate church and you need to flee. If that's, if everything's successful over there, that's your consolation. Enjoy your 80 years. I do not want that for you. That's not me to judge. I'm not going to go blow it up. Nobody's going to go blow it up. All right. But God will have his day. And the thing is, is whenever you're standing in front of them, you're not going to have, well, you know, I did go to the venues and I was warned, but you know, no, 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 you know, and he's only giving you half truths. Again, Luke states it same book and it's Jesus. And so he did declare freedom from the captives of sin. He did declare that. And that's the gospel. But the sad thing is, is there are people um, that we're shutting out the kingdom to the Gentiles. Again, this is where you have to have a covenantal hermeneutic. This is the hermeneutic of scripture. And Jesus being the covenant himself as well, he was put up as a covenant for the people. He's a covenant. Um, he fits the bill for hermeneutics as well. Um, just fine. That's where we we agree. But 
because these are the days of vengeance to fulfill the things that were written in Isaiah. Same book, same author writing it, same Jesus. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on whenever you are the son of God. Different audiences, all that kind of stuff. But see, the thing is, Phil, you deliberately and knowingly, you went, I know better. You know this and you don't care. Yeah. And you're leading people to be happy until they're dead and they're going to be separated from God. And you're going to have every one of them on you. And, the, and it's going to be greater for you. And I, I don't want that for you. I can't change your heart. I'm not the Holy Spirit, but I can just say, if you hear this or somebody can tell him, Taggart says, and pleads, pleads, let's have a conversation. Um, please repent. Please tell your people the truth. Please tell your people the whole word because you're not getting it. You're not getting it. Um, unfortunately, I don't. Let's go on with the video. I'm probably sure, but that, I mean, that's just like a major blatant lie that's in yes. there. Very selective way. He did leave some things out. No, he didn't. I think Jesus had a deeper eye. And he was able to look at the I scripture think and that know Jesus which... had a deeper eye. Yeah. I think that Jesus had a deeper eye. You so is Jesus just a philosopher? Assertive, assertively, yeah. Yeah, is Jesus, is Jesus just a man and a philosopher? So he's just, you know, so he's not the God man? Is he the God man? Like, will you answer these kind of questions? Again, I've never got the answer of if I'm just a fellow co-laborer in the gospel or not. You're afraid to answer that because I know you want to say no, that I am a mean, evil person prejudice, evil, whatever you want to say that about me, but you can't. But the other thing is you can't say I'm a fellow co-laborer in the gospel, which would be something positive. Mm. Mm. Ones were going to be a path for God and for humanity to connect and those that were legalistic and oh. What's wrong with legalistic people? Why are you discriminating against them? Why are you excluding them? What makes them somehow bad people? What's wrong with legalism? I mean, really, what's wrong with legalism? Yeah, yeah. If God loves everybody, you know, he just loves you as you are. And if you're a legalistic punk that uh, just jams, you, yeah. How are you not being legalistic? You've created a system of legalism. Mm -hmm, Your legal mm -hmm. doctrine is the Jesus that you have created. But that's still a legalistic thing. You've still set up a set of laws that you want to follow. The problem yeah, is the, there's no yeah. grace. There's no repentance because guess what? You can't really say that any of those people will come under the wrath of God. Yeah. No judgment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Culturally defined. Now, when we pretend that every line in scripture is of equal importance, I don't think we're reading it like Jesus read it. Jesus teaches us how to see it and what to emphasize. Great. So yeah. then, Jesus, so... then when Jesus said that Moses spoke the Old Testament, that Jonah really existed, right? Those those things, Jesus did he get them wrong? Did he get it wrong that that Moses wrote the law? Did he get that wrong? Did he get it wrong? that Sodom and Gomorrah were actually bad places. Did Jesus get those things wrong? Did he get it wrong 
that Moses, uh, that God had said marriage was one man and one woman. Did he get those wrong, Phil? Yeah, yeah. And those are questions we're still a few years later would like some answers to. And it'd be really awesome just to have another public conversation because it's all public. Y'all remember a couple of times in the Gospels, Jesus said that all of the scriptures, Hebrew prophets and the law, hang on two commands. From Deuteronomy, he's not quoting the ten, the table, the Ten Commandments. He's quoting from Deuteronomy too. Love God and love neighbor. And this is what he's going to end with. God and love your neighbor as yourself. The goal is to read scripture mm-hmm. in a way that leads us greater love no the goal is what does that mean oh god yeah but to love god to know god and then what he's clearly said um i think there's a in the sermon that i was wanting to do this where he gets into clarity issue um because there's so many denominations see god didn't speak clearly again you got the same you got the problem of the starting point you know you got your reasoning is you know and that's the same other person, like you got so many particulars out here with their own reasoning that the reasoning that the really reasoning is valid using their reasoning. You're all doing that. You're all creating your own Jesus's, right? Um, you're the problem. We're the problem. I was the problem, right? So again, here's our little tag. Your thing is everybody's circular. What is the presupposition of all predication? It's God's condescension and his word being clear. It's a presupposition. And that's where we have to put it. And the reason why it's not pure fideism is because without it, you can't do anything. You can't prove anything. You can't know anything. That's what roots. That's what gets the presuppositionalist or the covenantalist out of the fideism, pure fideism gap. Right. But guess what? You just blew up any sort of objectivity. So who cares? Again, I'm so instead of like talking with a naturalist and saying, I'm fizzing the way I'm fizzing and you're fizzing the way you're fizzing, which one's fizzing truth. Right. Um, It's just, well, I'm good. You're good, right? I can go around and beat people with the Bible and you can go be an antinomian uh, Mr. Rogers dude and we're just happy, right? We can call each other co-laborers in the gospel, right? Well, I mean, according to mine, I can't call you a core labor in the gospel, but since you're all happy and fluffy, am I a co-laboring in the gospel? Can uh, can that happen? At, can A and B not A at the same time in the same sense? Is logic just thrown out the window? That's the problem. You know, and people are captivated by this because, again, you sold them their feelings, follow your heart, their heart. If it's a heart of stone, it's going to lead them um, into absolute destruction because God did have a day of vengeance um, in 70 AD with this generation that he's talking about here. But there is still one last day um, where you are going to be put on trial for the absolute abject just bastardization of Jesus Mm. in front of millions of people on Facebook and over time. And you're, you know, you're, you've got a decent sized congregation um, that you um, really, you, you, you've constantly um, tried to abdicate authority over so that you don't have to stand even the scrutiny of your fellow man. So you don't love your neighbor as yourself. You love yourself way more than your neighbor. If you have the truth, you have two people who have asked you to engage them who have said, let's talk. Um, you are refusing to do that. You are not loving your neighbor. 
you're failing your own standard there. If you really have the truth, then you'll actually talk to people who want to want to understand at least where in the world you're coming from, who want to say, brother, if you're claiming to be a Christian, because that sure seems to be the claim, then you accuse Jesus of picking and choosing scripture and intentionally leaving out things, but you've not represented that Jesus correctly. It won't take a, a genius to figure that out, right? All they have to do is pick up the Bible and read it for themselves to see that you've misrepresented Christ. It's pretty darn simple. Look at a few cross-references and you'll have it done. So you can't even meet your own legalistic standard that you've made, by the way, to love your neighbor mm. as yourself. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. With that said, I mean that's the, that's the end of the short thing. We'll uh, get into um, some of their ecclesiology sometime soon because it's uh, definitely uh, something that I think is important for us all to all know because um, they are de deconstructing church. Um, that's definitely on their lips um, and in their advertisements and stuff. So they're it's basically Philip Wright just de deconstructing in front of a crowd um, to get their cheers and then bring, bring them down with them so that it at least has some company, I guess, and deconstruction. So, um, so it'll be very important to get into that. And I'm glad that at least he's coming out and, uh, maybe taking some stands on stuff. Um, will he answer any questions? Will he take a hard stand in actual conversation? Who knows? Um, we can only pray that he does. Um, and then hopefully maybe just if he can take a stand on something for, and actually go with it a few rounds, of questioning um it's called a conversation he won't um, do that yeah. because it will yeah. expose his ineptitude he will yeah. not do that because it will expose his ineptitude yeah. but if it can happen you know again this is how we can reconcile so it'd be really awesome so anybody that's watching this and has watched this over the years that we've dealt with it pray for his soul just he isn't like, he's yeah just like he's made in the image of god yeah, yeah. yeah just he's like made in the image of god yeah and uh he needs salvation he needs Jesus. Um, he needs to repent of sin, just like we all do. There is no partiality with God here. Um, he has proven himself to be bad fruit. Um, and he, if there's anything, um, you know, that he was once with us and now he's not of us, he is antichrist. That is the definition of antichrist. So um, I can actually say and prove, and I, we have utilized scripture to actually provide why we take the stance that this is the antichrist spirit. Um, again, we're not looking for the antichrist to step up at the end of history or anything, but this is antichrist. This is the spirit of antichrist, the spirit of many people. It's been around since Paul wrote about it and John wrote, or I guess John wrote about it. Um, you know, and, and this is what people were fighting people coming in. Um, it was first the Judaizers, it became Gnostics and all that kind of stuff. And, um, who's the one that's standing in a pulpit saying that they like those guys? It's Philip Wright. And so, yeah, um, get, get to know your history. Uh, but most of all, know if, if you're going to say Jesus, know your Jesus right. and give us the whole Jesus. Mm. And we, we gave you the whole Jesus. He believed in setting captives free. And he also believed in days of vengeance. Um, and that's the, you know, that was, that's why they needed the gospel then. And the gospel is now um, because he's building his church um, and he's going to spend his time. And the, the thing is we do this work and hope um, that it'll prevail because it's all God, as he said in, uh, in Jeremiah is all God doing this stuff. So anyway, I don't know if you have any, uh, closing statements or anything, Dave. No, man, Adam, I think you hit it right on brother. I appreciate it. I'm grateful to get to do this with you as always, uh, brother. It's been Such a, good a blessing. One.
Good day. Good day. Good podcast. Well, anyway, one day that was good. Yes. In two weeks. So, yes. So anyway, um, thank you guys uh, for being with us again. If you could, uh, if you're on YouTube, subscribe and get notifications or whatever, and uh, just be a part of this conversation. Um, Also, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you guys uh, for listening. Uh, Even though you don't get to see our pretty faces and beards and, and hats and all that kind of stuff. No, thanks for uh, being, being our podcast folks. Uh, We've noticed you guys out there that we've noticed. Uh, some things that you're into and we've seen some numbers go up and uh, we're just thankful uh, for you. We've glad uh, we are, we just hope that our conversations are, are uh, edifying and that they're helpful and that they help you in your everyday conversations to how to view certain things. Um, maybe some, a uh, different perspective than you've heard that is helpful to navigate those conversations, to get to the gospel, um, to end up again, reconciling people and uh, being the means to reconcile people to Christ and then build the church and then march on forward um, as the kingdom advances through that. So with that said, this is the Tag You're It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am David Van Beppel. And Soli. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.